Mildred Hayes, why did you put up these billboards? My daughter Angela was murdered seven months ago. It seems to me the police department is too busy torturing black folks to solve actual crime. What the hell is this? Hey everybody, welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And this week we continue our Oscars month with three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, it won Best Actress for Frances McDormand and Best Supporting Actor for Sam Rockwell. Um, so I'm actually going to toss this over to Devin and let him take point on this because he's the only one of us that had saw that had seen this movie before the show. So take it away, Devin. <laughs> sure. So I saw this movie um, a little while ago and actually really loved it and have been hoping to do an episode ever since. Uh, quick thing about it, it was a 2017 movie. I think it came out in 2017, but was nominated for Oscars. Like it came out in that weird time frame where it like had to be nom- like nominated for Oscars like in the next year or something. It was really weird. Yeah. But um award season. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Award season. So like it comes out like the tail end of twenty seventeen and then it's mostly seen in twenty eighteen when it gets nominated. Because that's right. when it goes live Which, or goes wide it, to a bunch of theaters. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's when I ended up seeing it. Um so in short, um it's about Francis McDormand's character. Uh, a woman named Mildred who rents three billboards, um, obviously outside of Ebbing, Missouri, uh, to call attention <laughs> to her daughter's unsolved rape and murder. Um, it has an awesome cast. It has Woody Harrelson as the chief of police, or I think he's the chief of police. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Sam Rockwell as uh, just a, a general policeman slash uh, want to want to be detective. Um, and Peter Dinklage is in it, which I kind of love. Uh, yeah, in just, we'll get into In that. general, I love the cast. <laughs> <laughs> so overall what did you guys think um brian you go first okay so in the first like five minutes of the film i was like i'm gonna love this movie because i do like art films to a point like films that are just like storyline driven where it's it's just pure drama and that's what this was um but I, uh, about halfway through the movie, I kind of changed my opinion. <laughs> Interesting. I, I still enjoyed the fact that I watched the movie. I'm probably, I'm probably never going to watch it again just because it's one of those mm-hmm. kind of films. Like, I saw it once, I get the premise. There's no real reason for me to return to it. Um, but the, the few things that caught my interest was, was the cast. There was a ton of people in it, for one, that yeah. I wasn't expecting. Um, I loved the world that they built for the film when it came to just the people living in town, the personalities, um, just who they were and their viewpoints on certain things, especially the mm-hmm. uh, topics they would talk about. Um, I was very young when I lived like right across the border from Missouri in Illinois, and oh, wow. they pretty much got that dead. Like They pretty much got <laughs> that dead on. <laughs> Like just that whole community build up. Okay. So yeah. I can dive into more of it later. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Alan? Um I really enjoyed the cast for this as well. I agree with Ryan where this is probably not a movie that I'll watch again, but I'm glad I watched it the first time. There's a lot of good things going on here, but there's also a lot of weird things happening in this movie. Um and I'll get into those later, but um, you have everyone acting their asses off in this, and it it's good. Mm-hmm. Not not like acting their asses off like Nicolas Cage in a weird way, but like <laughs> everyone's giving a great performance. Um, 
the cinematography in this is great. Like you've got a great setup, like geographically, like the fact that you can see her, see the billboards from her like front yard is fan. Like, I love that. Um, mm. And they just do some really great things with like wide angle shots. And um, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, but yeah, I, en- I enjoyed it. It was weird in parts. Like it, it felt a little, maybe a little too acty at points. Like, I don't know why she's monologuing to a deer right now, but okay, <laughs> I'll go with it. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. It just probably is not one that I will watch again, which I think is fair sure. for a lot of Oscar movies. Yeah. I mean, it's totally fair. And just so you guys know where I'm coming from, I watched this the first time while I was working. I had it on in the background, and it kept drawing my attention. I kept going, interesting, interesting. And then today I planned on doing kind of the same thing, where I have some, like, side work I have to do. I'm in the middle of working on it. I have it on another computer screen just to kind of refresh myself. And halfway through that, I literally stopped working, started, like, became so engrossed in this movie on my second watch that I couldn't stop watching and then immediately texted most people that weren't you guys because I didn't want to spoil it for the podcast that this is probably my favorite movie and was better on the second time. Okay. So we might have a little bit of a difference in opinion here. Let's see how it plays out. <laughs> well, we're only on our first viewing. You're on your second. so It's true. It's true. We got to get there. Um, what, make, what makes you think that this is your favorite movie on the second viewing? So I was able to get... so. The way that I watch movies is I'll watch it the first time basically for the plot and to sit down and say, okay, movie, take me for the ride that you want me want to take me on. And then the second time I'll actually start analyzing, getting into the nitty gritty of the movie. I have like two single spaced pages on some of the themes and some of the consistencies and some of the things that I think this movie was trying to do, or maybe I was looking into it too deep, but <laughs> I loved it. Like I loved so many of the little background things that I thought were going on that I thought were just amazing. And I mean, obviously I'll get into those a little bit more, um, a little bit more, a little later. So let's start probably the easiest place to start in this movie because it won for this reason. Let's start with Mildred or Francis McDormand's character. What did you guys think? And I mean, if we want, we can get into spoilers at this point too, because she does change a lot. Yeah. I mean, does she though? Because of this, like her d- character doesn't really have much of an arc. Like she's still up. Like at the end, maybe she does, but throughout the movie, she's still kind of dead set in her ways of the cops aren't doing their job. And I want answers and I'm not getting them. So she, her whole quest is just to get the answers of who killed my daughter. And I don't know if that, really changes like she goes to more extremes like she gets more extreme with her tactics as she goes but <laughs> i don't i don't know if her her character really changes but change my mind well then ryan what do you think okay so she this would have been just as good as like an off her performance would have been just as good if it was like an off-broadway production of if it was just her yeah Take her character, put her on a stage, have her read the lines, and just act like there's people around her. And Mm -hmm. it probably would have gotten a lot of attention just because of how good she was at that role. Um, Sure. I kind of disagree with Alan a little bit about her character 
because I feel like as she was going through the movie, it started out with her being upset and hence why she got the billboards. Her thick headedness um, mm-hmm. is, is always there. But around the whole like deer monologue part where she's just kind of like lost in thought and then all of a sudden this deer shows up out of nowhere. And I feel like at that moment she starts coming to like accept what happened instead of just becoming like a bulldozer just wanting to just destroy everything in her path to uh to, to get the answer that uh that she needs okay so I, that's I'll, how i talk i, I will concede to that point and then i think she she doesn't get to that she doesn't get to the point where she's accepting fully yeah. Because as soon as the billboards are burnt down, she's like, oh, fuck you. And just goes all out on the police. Well, so, it gets worse. That, That's like, because she I, thinks it's, it's that. Like, yeah. It's like a ricochet effect. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. um, she bounces back. It's like, oh, yeah. hell no. Yeah. Well, it's what I mean about just kind of accepting what's what, 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 what's happened. It's she's more or less accepting what's happened because she actually says my baby's gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're not her and then when it comes to the topic of her daughter she doesn't really talk about it as much like she doesn't she's not the one starting the conversation about her daughter f- from that point of the movie on most mm-hmm. of the time that drops because before then every almost every conversation every interaction she has she either begins it about her daughter or begins it about the police and she ends up either attacking somebody verbally or defending herself after that point, granted, she firebombs the police station, which was amazing. <laughs> um, but at, at that point, it's a lot of people coming up to her with her looking solemn mm-hmm. and them trying to get her to talk. Like walking yeah. on eggshells. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that also kind of coincides with eventually with Woody Harrelson's uh, character, you know, ending yeah. his own life so yeah. i mean i feel like that was kind of a double whammy there at the same time mm-hmm. um which i have to say this movie shows the ultimate trolling i've ever seen ever what him buying the billboard him buying the billboard yeah, for the I, next I, month after he I died making everybody think that you know that he did it because of that like that to me is like trolling hall of fame level like, <laughs> I, I really did appreciate that um yeah that aspect of it because even even well we'll we'll get into that when we talk about his character yeah but yeah Devin, what are your thoughts on mildred all right so my thoughts on mildred i think are a little bit different than yours and i don't think that she wanted all right i think that she wanted obviously to find the killer i think that was a big thing but i don't think the reason why she had the billboards was to find the killer i think it was because she wanted them she wanted the attention for it. She wanted the police to actually pay attention to this very serious thing. And I think that her like arc, as far as like the, the unsolved murders concerned is that she eventually got the attention drawn to it that she wanted. I think her personal arc was just about her going through all of this anger she had after her daughter died and then learning to learning where to miss or where to place that anger. So at the beginning of the movie, you had this very angry person. We take out these billboards. Uh, she was, I mean, she drilled a dentist's little finger or a hole in a dentist's little finger. Uh, she firebombed a police station, but then you had that awesome scene at the end of her date with Peter Dinklage, 
where she walks over to her uh, husband, her ex-husband and uh, Penelope, who like, and in knowing her character up until that point, you walk and you see her like gripping that wine bottle, like she's going to club someone with it. And you go, all right, shit's going down. She's going to get into a fight here. And then she just gives him the bottle and says, good luck. And I think, and like, you know, hey, treat her right. And I think that's more of a turning point for her character, showing that like, all of this rage she's had to try to get all of this attention towards it isn't really like, isn't helping her at all because she spent how long into the movie spinning her wheels, being mad and getting nowhere. Why didn't she try the other side of the coin now? And that's kind of what I took away from that as her like character arcs concerned. Okay. Well, that's fair. Um, I do have to say though, the uh, Dennis drill into the thumb was totally warranted. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. And cringeworthy. Holy shit. Oh. I had a oh, feeling yeah. something oh. like that was happening because you had Dixon who was like a fat dentist complain. <laughs> yeah. And then she goes to the dentist and there's this heavyweight dentist and he's like, he's about to drill her without giving her Novocaine. First off, yep. I would have just gotten up and walked out at that oh, point. Yeah. Be like, what the hell are you doing? Are you drunk? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's malpractice. Well, but. that and you've also got the scenes with her where I think that she just could have done like an off Broadway like performance of just her character mm-hmm. is when she's yeah. dealing with the memory of the fight that she had with her daughter when she walked out. Yes. Yeah. There's that. Um, mm-hmm. And then also dealing with they also bring up like her ex-husband and like the, the allegations back and forth about about, you know, like how their marriage was like there. Yeah. There's a lot there. And I think this. I think it's stuff like this that your pages of notes that you have are kind of going to be talking about, but you've got her dealing with her son, her dealing with the police, her dealing with the public. Um, And she even says about, she's following the book. She was like, they say this is one of the steps in the book. Mm -hmm. So obviously she's been studying how to keep a cold case going. Yep. And that's what she did put it on unsolved mysteries in the 90s (laughs) well that's actually one of the things i loved about this is so this movie is based around death in almost all of its parts so you have you know the cold case murder of that you have woody harrelson's character spoilers sorry about that um but you have like woody harrelson's character and you have how each of these individuals are dealing with it both in the immediate and the long term and her answer is action and obviously so is sam rockwell's where he found out that the chief died and immediately went across the street to go beat up that other guy. I mean, did you guys see like the parallels in the character? Was I, the characters where I'm making those up where like, I, I thought they were two sides of the same coin no, I, or was I looking too far into it? No, I don't think you're looking too far into it. I think you're on the right track. I think Sam Rockwell's mm-hmm. more dealing with the death of his father still where he's sure. trapped in his life with his mother yeah. or mama. So I, I feel like um, I feel like that's the death he's dealing with still like he's it seems like that happened when he was younger. So he never really mm-hmm. matured past that point because he's had to deal yeah. with that. Oh, death. Clearly. Um, so he's just kind of trapped in this vicious circle of li- living at home with his mother. So I think that's the death. Can we talk about Yeah. And just that oh, almost, uh, almost every character like almost every character inside the film is dealing with their own death in their own family. Almost. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. you've got the brothers missing a sister. 
the mother is missing a daughter. So is uh, so so is the the ex husband who is the father is missing a daughter. You've got Dixon who's missing a father, and then you've got the sheriff who's dealing mm-hmm. with you know dying. Like there's nobody yeah. in the family dead yet, but he's going to be. So he's dealing with that. It's like everybody has this cloud over their head, and then you've got people who want to get their own interests taken care of, and that's what throws the wrench inside this entire thing, and why all this conflict starts up. So, I mean, that that's that's why I like this movie, because of that. But at the same time, that's probably why I'm not going to see this again. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, so for everybody listening now who hasn't seen the movie, this sounds like a really dark and depressing movie. There were some really great funny lines and funny parts in this movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, I definitely like one of my favorites was when uh, Dixon went to book called Suck My Ass. It's none of your business. Like, <laughs> that's amazing. Like, there was some awesome. Like, what did you like? Did you guys find that humor in here? I, I did. I, I my favorite. My the funny scene to me was when the reporter's outside the burnt down billboards and she just drives by. Yeah. Like, it's not over yet. Take that and shove it on your fucking <laughs> Missouri. Good morning, Missouri morning show. Bitch. <laughs> See, yeah. See, mine was the awkwardness with the 19 year old girlfriend all of those Penelope. scenes yeah yeah it's like she, she she comes into the house and she's like oh i need to use the restroom but i can see that this is extremely <laughs> inconvenient i'll go wait outside while she's while mildred's being held by the neck and the son has a knife fold on the dad, dad. <laughs> yeah <laughs> see i didn't like the 19 year old girlfriend i felt like she was too much when it came to the comedy side of things, like it was just too out there. Yeah, I know. But here's the thing. Yeah. Communities like that, you're going to have the 49 year old man who's dating no, a 19 year old. I'm fine with that. And it's just the way that she handled, like it was just a little too comedic where everything else is like a darker comedy. That was just kind of weird. It didn't really fit the tone. I of liked it else. though. I liked yeah. it though, because it was it kind of like a it. beacon. Well, well, here, you've got this movie that is topic that is so drenched in death. And then you've got these mm-hmm. comedic parts to it. You've got the vulgar humor of her just saying crazy crap, you know? And then you've got the goofball humor with the uh, with the girlfriend. And then you have kind of just like the subtle humor. So I feel like they were trying to play to a lot of different people on breaking the just the depression of it. So I, I'm trying to say, I feel like that they made different types of humor in the movie so that different types of people could get that break. And st- but how do we feel about Penelope coming up with literally the most important and thesis po- statement of this movie about how it, anger begets anger? Like that I've, wasn't delivered by Peter Dinklage. That was the dumb side character. But see, the thing yeah. is, I feel like, again, small town, Midwest, mm-hmm. everybody's so wrapped up in their own life. It's going to be the person you're not expecting to to give you something that stands out. Her. Her get, delivering that line, I guess, makes sense for it, but everything up before that is just kind of like really off-putting. And I guess maybe watching it again is like, oh, okay, I know what happens now. Maybe this is yeah. worth it. But the first time, it's just like kind of, I don't really care. Like you look like you should but be I mean, on the CW. You don't belong in this movie with Francis McDormand. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I get it. She's totally jarring, though, because, like, everyone has this, like, very dry, like, kind of wit, and she's the first person that comes in with literally just, like, like what this movie is akin to slapstick humor. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not, but she's, like, the closest to it. Yeah. And which is, I mean, the fact, okay, so he leaves. He's dating a 19-year-old. That's the mm-hmm. joke in itself. And then you actually, <laughs> like, meet her, and she's the embodiment of how awkward that age difference is. That's why I like it because yeah. he's already dating an eight. Uh, he's already dating a nineteen-year-old. They're gonna have to show her. There's gonna be situations where she's gonna be in the car. They're yeah. gonna be out. You can't just have her stand there and say nothing. So, if she came off as witty as the rest of them, mm-hmm. I you've already got a whole. You know, you you've already got a ton of. Gen- just deep characters that I feel like mm-hmm. it would just be too much, and that's why I just I loved her awkwardness because she was the one character that as soon as I saw her after that first scene with her wanting to go to the bathroom, I knew that nothing with her was going to be deep. Yeah, and then it was surprising <laughs> when she was the one that you know has that line that changes it. Yeah, so that's yeah, that's the core of why I like her character and uh and why I like her in it all right yeah i can get up over that so speaking of silly things in this movie alan you said that there were some silly things that happened here or some things that like kind of took you out of it you want to speak a little bit to those because i had a i had a really big one and i think it might have been my only big one but i'm i'm excited to see what you had to say the uh, 19 year old girlfriend was the biggest one Uh um trying to think what else um Peter Dinklage's mustache. <laughs> I have that as a note. <laughs> um, just Peter Dinklage in general is very, was very weird. It's a weird choice for how little they use him. Sure. Like I, I feel like there are some scenes that were cut in the middle of the film where he interacts with Mildred or some, someone um, because mm-hmm. he just kind of bookmarks bookends of the movie. Like he shows up at the beginning for a scene and then he doesn't mm-hmm. show up again until the, she's burning down the police station. And I guess that's enough to establish that he likes her and wants to go on dates with her, but it's still kind of odd. Okay. So do you mean it's odd because it's him or his character? It's odd because it's, it's him. Like that's, I feel like that relationship is really forced at the end. I think one more scene with him in it would have made it a little bit better at the end when he shows up around the corner. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm, I'm in the middle of a game of Thrones rewatch. So yeah. I, it, it's weird for me to see him po- show up in something. I'm pointing famous. at him because that's exactly where <laughs> this is coming from. This is exactly <laughs> Well, what are your thoughts, Ryan, on Peter Dinklage's character here? I think it's perfect. I think if they would have yeah. had him in it more, I just I feel like that they would have been trying to force, like just trying to force it too much. And I'm because, not, I'm not, I'm not even saying that he has to have lines of dialogue. I like just showing him in like a crowd shot would have been fine with me. Like, mm-hmm. um, but just having him turn around the corner at the last second after we see him play pool with the advertising guy and Mildred once like that was just bizarre. He, like he's it, a townie. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I wish I would have had one more scene with him there. 
It's if, because you're a Game anything, of Thrones my pro- fan. My pro- no, my, if anything, my problem with this movie is there's not enough Peter Dinklage. <laughs> he should be more Peter he Dinklage. Plays pool, See, he plays pool, he turns the corner, this is coming from. he holds a ladder, and then he gets dumped. That's it. That one more scene, that would have been fine. Okay, fine. So let's revisit Elf, and I feel like he should have been more of an established <laughs> character in Elf. He's only in it for, like, what? One scene and, like, one phone call. Yeah. But he's a he good character in Elf, though. I like his part in Elf a lot. <laughs> Let's just, I'm throwing that out there. Yeah. So, okay. My side of the coin, I feel like there was enough of him for his character. It could have been anybody, his height. It was the right amount of that character in the film. I I think for him to do what he does when he shows up around the corner, when the fire, when the fire is going, I think for his relationship with Mildred to make more sense, one more scene was needed there. Because you get where he's coming from, but you don't really know where she's at in that whole thing. Because right. she just straight up ignores him. And I get that she's just, like that's where she's at with it. But I think a little bit more of that, because you're not sure if she's just straight up ignoring, ignoring him or just like drinking at a bar and trying to get rid of Dixon. Well, she is just ignoring him because yeah. when she gets home later before she knows that, that, that the priest is there, she goes, hey, says his name. I think he's trying to get in my pants. She's, yeah. She saw it as a joke. Yeah. So when he did that, and then he asked her to go out, and then there was that back and forth of like, I'll go out with you, but I'm not sleeping with you. And then he has that really funny, like, he can't come up with like a witty comeback <laughs> to like say, you know, to um, uh, say back to her that's where i feel like that's where they established it no more needs to be said he hit on her it was it it was for me it was clear as day and then she Mm -hmm. gets home drunk and then goes to tell her son hey the town midget hit on me do you think casting peter dinklage was shorthand for hey this is a nice guy without having to establish himself as a nice guy because really his behavior if it was played by almost anyone else would be like oh random guy hit on me at a bar now he's like awkwardly covering for me and is trying to take me on a date. I think that works. Yeah, I, I really, I really think that's what that's that what I was is. thinking about while you guys were talking about that because they don't establish him as like a great guy until he like covers for her, and it could be read as creepy. They don't establish him at all, and I think that's part of the problem. He's just a guy in the in the bar, uh, and then right. he, like at the end of the like in his last scene, he's like, "I'm a I'm an alcoholic who runs a car dealership." I'm like, okay, the the best thing you can do in a film is show don't tell like instead right. of having him just throw all that in, in a monologue just mm-hmm. like have an establishing shot of him selling a car to someone or being like, a little drunk yeah being a little bit more drunk or because no one like they don't really shy away from the bars in this that much so no i think in this case i think it was good like the, i have no problem with how they did their relationship or his character at all <laughs> as long as he has that mustache i'm happy with him in it honestly yeah. <laughs> that's that's where i stop with that okay his uh, his must oh what was i was it his hair and his mustache it reminded me of somebody his face it oh, reminded no. me on somebody it, it's probably from a music video from like the 90s or something i'm just gonna let's just keep on rolling yeah. what <laughs> else you got what else you got in your notes yeah so alan you'd mentioned a couple of weird things for you uh for you here was my biggest complaint with the whole movie how the hell are Sam Rockwell's nails that sharp? 
literally all he does in like one second is he goes to like scratch creepy guy in the face and he leaves these like gigantic claw marks all along the guy's neck and like has enough of that that he can get DNA from under his nails that's a legitimate huge piece of his skin. Oh, you, like you in my mind, he turned into like Catwoman for like three seconds. Wasn't at that he bar. just in the hospital for like a week? Yeah, recovering from his burns. Yeah, so he probably wasn't yeah. doing his nails. It's uh, a good point. That and he was drunk. That makes sense. When you're drunk, yeah. you don't know exactly how much force you're yeah. you're uh, you're putting into stuff. I mean, I absolutely hated his character up until that mm-hmm. point when I saw what he was doing. Like he went out, he he looked at the license plate, he came back in, he started the fight. And I'm like, okay, okay, a little bit of redemption. I still hate the character for who he is, but I like what so, he. Tried so that's to do. that's the point where you turned on his character, like you started like like liking him a little bit more, like when he in the. Bar. I've run into cops like him. No. I okay. hate the character. Okay. Yeah. As in, yeah. you're supposed to hate the character, and I hate the character. Yeah. He did a good job playing the character. That's not the question, though. My question was, is <laughs> so in the bar is the point where you, he his character turns for you? To being like, oh, look, he's doing something nice? Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Because his time in the hospital room, I, I, I have like, a... he apologized to the... Mm-hmm. He, he apologized inside the he apologized to red or i i think that's what his first Mm -hmm. name was yeah yeah in the hospital room that's a direct from after him reading the 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 letter that the sheriff gave to him granted he Mm -hmm. did put like the file up into his shirt and like dove out the window but yeah to me it's like okay with all the crap that you've done in your life that to me isn't gonna make me like you it wasn't until yeah. he put his own like body, like truly, he could have been killed. Yeah, not just diving through, uh, you know, just not just diving through a window on a first floor building. Like he legitimately could have been killed in that fight. No, I I mm. completely disagree and think him grabbing that file is the his turn to redemption because. Oh. Uh, if he gets redemption, like that's yeah. his point of, that's where he turned for well, me because there's no reason he had yeah. to grab that file of all the files. Like he read mm-hmm. that letter and that letter, um, like I talked about him not having the father figure before yeah. the chief was mm-hmm. his father figure. So, um, that turn, like that letter is what turns him to like, this is what I need to do to be a good cop. Yeah. And then he looks and sees that file and grabs it. And like that there is where he starts his journey of redemption or attempt at redemption. And you know what? You're probably right. That's probably how it was written. But for me, mm-hmm. I hate that, ter- that stereotype of a bad cop so much. And I, and, mm-hmm. and it's not hate on the, 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 the stereotype as in the stereotypes wrong. Like I've mm-hmm. said, I've known cops like him before. Mm-hmm. I hate them. They shouldn't be police officers. No, I, I completely agree. Yeah. And, and, Basically, everything that happened to him should have happened mm-hmm. to him. He should have gotten arrested personally, right? After you know everything that happened, but it wasn't until he did that in the bar that I was like, okay, um, this character is somewhat of a good guy mm-hmm. for me so personally, here's... just because his character you're... irked me that much. So, like I said, you're probably right, yeah. and that's probably how it was written. In fact, you're probably dead yeah. right on it. It's just I, mm-hmm. I hate that character. 
I think yeah, part so here's of, my question for okay, you guys then. This movie actually caught a lot of crap when it came out, like wide public release, because you're asked to relate to his character and you're asked to like feel for him and to forgive him for a lot of stuff. And for some audiences, seeing a blatant racist like this being asked to or being asked to sympathize with a blatant racist like this was problematic. Were you guys able to to like find redemption in him did you That's sympathize with him problem. or was his stuff way too like shitty for you guys to ever relate to him and he just remained a shit guy see the way the way i see it is he's a product of his environment so his mom sure. is the one who's putting these bad ideas in his head like mm-hmm. like just being a part of that environment is mm-hmm. what really makes him do the things that he does and then when he has his other voice telling him you can be a good cop. You just have to try. And then he tries and doesn't listen to the, his mom so much and mm-hmm. puts a little bit of effort into being the good guy and trying to actually solve that case. And he, like, I'm not saying he's a good guy. He's, he's a bastard. Um, <laughs> like I, I really don't like his character, but I think I don't think all of his actions are entirely his fault. Sure. If that makes sense. No, and, I can get behind that. I definitely and can. And that's totally Ryan? what, yeah, I mean, and that's, like I said, I hate the character. I've already talked about that. But anyway, he is a product mm-hmm. of his environment. His mom is a blatant racist yeah. because she mm-hmm. says they were better off. And she's talking about, you know, different bathrooms and different water fountains like that's what she's talking about you know that they were better off that way so he's totally a product of that so everything he does comes from that you know thought process the problem is with me this day and age you either come around or you don't And if you don't come around just dealing with normal people every day then there's a problem and it needs to be Mm -hmm. dealt with it eventually was it's just Mm -hmm that early in his turnaround of trying to be like a good person for me is it's too early with the rest of the stuff that's happened. Um, especially after the scene where Mildred, that's the name, right? Mildred. Um, she uses the N word and says, so you beat him, didn't you? And he goes, no, it's person of color. And I beat him and I didn't torture him. Like that mm-hmm. whole scene for me just told me exactly who he was. And I was like, yep. okay, I, I want him shot. Like this guy needs yep. to die. Like just kill off the character now. Cause that's the only way that this guy's going <laughs> to get any kind of, you know, good feelings from me. And then what happened at the very end was like, eh, okay, he's trying, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, <laughs> I think his beliefs, I, I agree with Alan. They're from his mom. I think they're completely inexcusable. And I think that almost no matter what he does, that's not going to make up for it in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I can sympathize with some aspects of them though. And this is something new for me is being able to sympathize with some aspects of a person while absolutely hating other aspects of a person. I don't think that anything that he does for Mildred is ever going to make up for his blatant racism because there's no place in 2017 society. No. But I think that I can, I like Woody Harrelson's note to him where he needs to start loving people more and he needs to start moving towards love and away from hate. And I think that's where they're showing his plot going. And I think that if he continues down that path, he might be a more likable person. And I think I like the idea of where he could be more than where he ends up in the movie. Yeah. 
I mean, I don't think he really gets redemption in this. He definitely has a redemption arc. But it's yeah. just the beginning of it, and mm-hmm. you don't get to see it completed. So at the end of this, he's still a, he's still an asshole. Um, oh he's yeah, still a racist asshole. He j- and I'm glad he's not a cop. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's he has the that's just his character arc is he he's starting to turn away from being as much of a prick. Now he's just a little bit less of a prick. Right, right. One thing too that I heard when this movie first came out, it did not do well at all in the Midwest, in the South, oh. the Midwest. It did not do well. At I know all. part of the problem, part of the controversy over this movie is that it's a European director oh, dealing I with think American, about that. dealing with American police brutality and um, racism. So you have like a foreign voice talking about these purely american issues that's a good but i mean was he wrong like i didn't look at this and think this is a caricature some okay sometimes i looked at this and thought this is a caricature but a lot of the time i didn't like what did you guys think it's well i i obviously some of the characters i felt were a bit of a stretch when it came to just like they're you know they were trying to make some points out of it but overall Small town America, middle of Missouri, especially middle of Missouri. I would say this is like eighty percent nail on the head. Yeah. To be to 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 be perfectly honest. Sure. Yeah, it, it's definitely got a degree of realism to it. The um, only thing that doesn't make it as real is probably yeah, I was going to say the humor, but even that, like, it's so dark that it could be realistic. Right. So I don't know. Cause I mean, like I know like, you know, back people that like we went to high school with, I ended up talking to after high school and they've like turned into EMTs. They've turned into these very like serious lines of work and they'll talk about how like they'll see a dead body on the ground, like in the snow and they'll be like, Oh guys, look red snow cones or something like that. Like not to make fun of the deceased person, but because they need to add levity to such like terrible situations. Yeah. And, and sometimes that's that how anywhere. the humor in this reads. Yeah. And you'll find that anywhere. To, I mean, yeah. like with my grandfather was a lineman for, for, for the city of Chicago. And there were mm-hmm. times when he had to go collect his coworkers who got electrocuted on the lines. And you have to have some type of coping mechanism to see the crap that you do when you have to do stuff like that. And that's where you mm-hmm. get EMTs and firefighters and police officers. That's where that's why sometimes they get in trouble whenever the recordings come out after a car accident and they're saying things that the general public shouldn't hear. Because right. to be honest, you you come onto a crime scene, you've got a whole family in the car and it's mangled. Mm-hmm. There's only so many things you can do to make sure that you go home that night and not need therapy the rest of your life. And one of those yeah. coping methods is humor. As sick yeah. as that sounds. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, I mean, it's understandable. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. that, yeah, I love that aspect of it. It's just living. I've always lived in more of an urban type environment. I've been living in South Central PA since 2010. You guys have been mm-hmm. living in this area your entire life. That's mm-hmm. where, like, I had no real concept of, like, small town America up until recently. And sure. living in Shippensburg and knowing you guys from Newville, like, <laughs> that's where I'm like, oh, this totally fits. I've seen people like this. I've seen that cop down on our street. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
this did give me a very Newville vibe sometimes. <laughs> yeah, me too. I got, I got for, the same vibe. For better or for worse. <laughs> Mostly for worse. But, <laughs> by the way, uh, off topic here a little bit. Can we talk about her accuracy yeah. on those cocktails that she threw out of the window? It's almost like it was scripted that oh way. Oh my god! Like she had an arm. <laughs> like she had an arm on her for crying out loud. Oh yeah. Which is why when she ha- gives the uh, wine bottle to her ex husband at the end, it's like, yeah. oh, what's she gonna do with it? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, can we go back to Dixon for a second? Because I just want to address something about yeah. Sam Rockwell's performance. So yeah, I'm, have you guys seen Sam Rockwell in anything else? Green Mile. I absolutely have, but not Green Mile. I forget what I've seen him in. Okay, he's in Galaxy Quest. I haven't seen that one. You haven't seen Galaxy Quest? Oh, no. this, is, this is why we have a podcast. Um, I know I'm the worst. He's the bad guy in the first Charlie's Angels. Yes, I've seen him uh, in that, and he's in Iron Man Two. And he was in Moon, and he was Moon. amazing in Moon. Yes. Um, yeah, Moon. Um, yeah. he dances in everything that he's in. Like every movie that he's oh. in, he has a scene where he's dancing. And I was wondering yeah, whenever I see him in something, I goes, Oh, I wonder where he's he's gonna dance in this. And then <laughs> I'm watching this, it's like, oh, I wonder where he's gonna dance in this. And they picked the perfect moment for him to just be like just jamming out a little bit to his his music on his earbuds when um the chief dies and he has no clue. I just thought yep. that was such a great way to work in that actor trademark and I just had to address it. It, that when I first started watching the movie, I put it in. I saw him. Like I know him from somewhere. I know him from somewhere. And Kristen watched this movie with me. Yeah. And she's like, is if we're watching a movie, doesn't matter, movie, TV show, whatever. She's on her phone on IMDb looking up the actors because she's like seeing people. I'm like, oh, they've been on SVU. They've been on SVU. They've been on SVU. <laughs> so like, <laughs> all your wife watches is SVU. Oh God, you have no idea. <laughs> so. Uh, so like she's she's on her phone i'm like can you look up who that is he's familiar i know he's played a similar character because he had like a real kind of crazy look on his face towards the beginning of the movie and i'm like i know i've seen him from somewhere and it was green mile and to me like he's got a face for playing that kind of a character because the only difference between the character and the green mile and in this movie is that well one one's a convicted killer and the other one's a cop but it's it's still that like redneck type like character and i i there were moments in this movie i feel like he was pulling inspiration and scenes that he did in the green mile possibly because it's almost the same character. It's just the craziness is dialed down from like 11 to 2. So for his prep, you think he watched um, The Green Mile again and watched his performance and then uh, the like last scene of Star Wars Episode 3? Because of the burns. <laughs> oh, well, the burns. Yeah, no. But, the, but <laughs> to be honest, though, I would not be surprised if he... If he's the type of actor to make like character notes, I would not be surprised if he went back to his notes for The Green Mile. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which makes him perfect to play George W. Bush in Vice. Yeah. Oh, I cannot wait to see that. Same here. I can't. I'm so excited. Um. All right. So we haven't really talked about Woody Harrelson at all. Do you have any notes about? Yeah. Woody? I got a lot actually. So Everyone's it is so. It would have been so bartender. easy for this movie to make Woody Harrelson just this negligent asshole because really it's who Francis McDormand 
hated the whole time. He's like, why haven't you done anything with this? And it would have been so great to make him just this, well, I don't give a shit. Here's my racist cop agenda or something like that. But I love that they made him this really deep, relatable character who in the end was just as pissed about not finding the killer as Mildred was. And I thought that was a great choice by the movie. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. That's where the realism comes in. I mean, you've Mm -hmm. got bad cops. You do. And I don't give him any, and it was, I don't give Woody's character any slack um, Mm. on it because he dealt with it. He didn't do anything to Dixon to like tail it back at all. So, but, but, but still besides that, he shows up at the house and uh, Devin, just Mm -hmm. like you said, you were waiting for like that racist cop agenda to come out, but it didn't. Yeah. It was like, look, yeah. we're trying to find who it is. What do you want us to do? And then everything she's saying that she wants done, he's like, we can't legally do that. We can't right. DNA test every guy in town that you, you, you just can't. And then they show his like family life. And he was the one police officer in this entire movie, except for the chief at the end that comes to replace him, that, mm-hmm. I, that I liked and that I really connected with yeah uh, is with his character i mean i think he this is one of the first times in a while that i've seen him in something that i've liked he's definitely the most sympathetic character in this movie because he is Mm -hmm. trying to do his job and he's trying to deal with this sickness and he has his family at home so like Mm -hmm. he's definitely the most sympathetic um woody harrison had a year like yeah. And it just went downhill from here. So he's in this. Aww. And then he was in Solo, which is meh. And then yeah. he's it, and then he shows up in Venom. Uh, like it just goes, but he's the best part of Venom. <laughs> it goes so far down. Like you go from Oscar winning movie to Venom. Well, <laughs> this is how his career has been. Yeah. He's got like he's been everywhere. Like yeah, he started off on Cheers of all places. Exactly. Wow. He, did you not know that? No, I had no idea. I've he, never he seen did. a single he's from Cheers. Cheers. He he was he came in what was it the third season? Like third or fourth season of Cheers when Coach died, they brought him in to be the yeah. second bartender. Wow. And he just plays an idiot named Woody. Ha! <laughs> Good. And and honestly, that's where you get the stereotypical Woody Harrelson like persona is from that show. It just I feel like with his career, it's like he'll be in a movie that is like this one, you know, wins a ton of awards. It's extremely well done. And then he shows up in the movie 2012. Oh God, I forgot he was yeah. in that. <laughs> I forgot about that too. as the as the conspiracy theorist that lives in a trailer in the woods in Yellowstone that ends up being right. I'm pretty like, sure he was just playing himself in that, though. Oh, I'm pretty sure too. But still, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm just saying for the movie, <laughs> that's what he was playing. Um, yeah, he's very diverse. I I can't think of anything that he's not at least good in. Like even the tail, like that tag scene in Venom is like okay. I'd see him as Carnage. Like Absolutely, that, I that would. intrigues me. Like I'm always intrigued enough to be like, okay, I'll give this a shot. Um, like even in a Ronald McDonald wig, he was still better than most of that movie. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm excited to see him in Zombieland Two that comes out later this year. Yes, that's so, going to be see, exciting. Th- th- see, okay, so this is a very un- unpopular opinion. 
Zombieland is an example for me of what mm-hmm. I don't like about Woody Harrelson. Okay, Do that's tell. when it's that's when it's too much Woody Harrelson for me. Was I don't it, know how was else it crying to into stacks it. of money was that the part? It's just overall like 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 here in this movie it was great. He mm-hmm. was one of the main. He was one of the supporting characters, but for me, because of his, you know, importance, his character's importance, he was one of the main characters of the movie, even though he yeah. wasn't in it as much as Dixon was. Yeah, right. Like, I feel like this type of a like that type of film time, that type of importance, that type of character fits for him when he's doing something where it's like Zombie Land. It it's too much for me, and I just kind of like ment- mentally, I tune out. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to put myself back into when Zombieland came out. Was he the big name in that film? Because I don't think... I mean, everyone else obviously became big, but I don't think they were as big as he was at that point. Were they? No. In Zombieland? Zombieland. Yeah, he in was Zombieland. The, he was the big star, but he yeah. was... He didn't have, like, the career renaissance. Or, uh, renaissance? He didn't have, yeah, he didn't have the renaissance yeah. that that movie started for him. Like after that, yeah. he started showing up in a lot more stuff. Yeah, but he was in True no. Detective. He he was taken more seriously after that. But the, yeah. Even before then, for uh, for, for, for the previews when that movie came out, like that's uh-huh. all anybody that I knew would talk about. Oh, oh, he's in it. He's in this. He's in this. It's going to be great. And mm-hmm. like that's from my sound box, for lack of a better term, that I was in before the movie came out. It was like the movie was billed for him right in, in okay a sense. so I, I stand corrected the movie that there's a movie that came out the same year as zombie land that i think really put woody harrelson on the serious acting map and it's called the messenger it's I about think, i don't think i've seen that it's one about soldiers who um when a soldier dies in combat and a soldier has to come back and tell the family about the deceased he plays an actor uh... he plays a soldier in that who's in charge of doing that. Um, and I think that re- I remember at the time that really put him on the map as a serious actor because before that he's doing stuff like um, semi pro and um, oh, showing up in like anger management, playing a transvestite. <laughs> um, this is a total like non sequitur, but my favorite Woody Harrelson ever is uh, somebody asked for an autograph of this book of the complete prose of Woody Allen and asked for Woody Harrelson's autograph. And his <laughs> autograph in it is, to Josh, I think you've mistaken me for someone else, Woody Harrelson. <laughs> My he's favorite thing guy. he's done to date, better than any of his acting. Yeah. He's a funny guy. I'm not going to take that oh, away yeah. from him. It's just, I can't, when it comes to like him as an actor in like certain type of films, I can only take so much yeah. of him. Like this, mm-hmm. like more of a serious type like movie, he could have yeah. been in it more because of the type of character he was playing. I mean, it, that, and I feel like the Woody Harrelson persona mm-hmm. came through in the letter. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, it's like him writing and like his type of persona came through in the writing of his letters. Not more, not really when he was actually there. Yeah. So to round it back, and this is a little plot, a little like, theory that i was thinking of while we're recording uh speaking to the letters in the letter that he wrote to sam rockwell he had said something about how you know sometimes in cases like this someone just meets someone at a bar and he hears overhears them and that's how they solve the case that's kind of what happened at the end of the movie but you're 
but like you get the sense that the guy that they found in the bar isn't the guy that actually did like that actually killed the the daughter so like was sam rockwell's character just that influenced by woody harrelson that he just happened upon this and he's like no this is it because of the letter or do you think that like what they were doing was right in any way if you really listen to what the guy was saying Mm -hmm. in the booth like the one that he um accused I can't say for certain that I, you know, like I'm 100% positive that this is what I heard, but I felt like yeah. him doing what he was doing was kind of odd because I thought the line that he said, like he's talking about, oh no, she was so hot and she was like dead or dying. And then it was blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. And then the other guy asked something. And he said, no, I didn't. But when the flames were going, I definitely wanted to. I feel like the script, he says that he didn't do anything to her. Mm -hmm. But because Dixon was drunk and because the whole bar thing and the other words that he was saying, fire, unconscious, dead, he was like, oh, yeah, this is definitely him, which I don't blame him for doing what he did, especially with what was said in the letter. Yeah, I was expecting that to actually happen in the movie. I was like, oh, this is this is definitely how the movie is going to end. But yeah. this is, but but at the same time, this is also based on a true story. So, and I don't think right. the actual case was ever solved. I don't know if it's based on specifics of a story, though. I think it's just about unsolved crimes in the south. No, there was a town in Missouri where a woman bought three billboards and put that up. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah, and the director uh, like drove past it and saw it and was yeah. like, "That's cool." Yeah. Like this actually did happen. Okay. Um, they took liberties with the individual characters' arcs and everything, yeah. but the oh, overall yeah, like premise happened. Um. Like so one thing I wanted to bring up about this movie as a whole is uh-huh. it has two endings, and I wasn't a big fan of fan of it. I feel like the movie it has two should, ending. I I feel like the movie should have ended in the fire at the police station. Really, I I felt like that—that's where it was going. It was just going to end there, and then you get an extra twenty minutes. Interesting. I never actually thought about I it think, that way. I think okay. if you end the movie there, where he doesn't break out of the police station, he just burns to death. I think yeah. it's. I thought it, would, it was going to be interesting if that's where it ended, but I was like, oh no, we're still going. Okay, I would have yeah, hated I, it if that's where it ended. I would have absolutely hated it. Because I don't there's think I would have way, hated it, honestly. Because now there's that you too keep much that, hanging like, in the wind. There's too much hanging out at that point still. I think if you gave me closure on the wife or the ex-husband, and if you gave me repercussions of her firebombing the police department, I'd be on board with Alan's ending. Like if you gave me like just a quick shot of her getting into a cop car or like something like that. You know what I mean? Like showing that like all of this hate and rage ended in a very logical place that you're not going to like. I think I can get on board with that. Yeah. With that said though, I really like the ending here. No, I really do too. I just felt like her and Peter Dinklage sitting on the the stoop as the fire trucks are taking care of the fire. I feel like it could have ended there where with him mm-hmm. giving her an alibi and her getting away with it and like maybe Sam know. Rockwell just either dying or being burnt to a crisp huh in the burn unit interesting i i honestly thought i honestly thought that's where it was going to end but then it kept going so yeah i would have i personally would have rathered have the dna be a match 
and then Dixon gets that like redemption phone call and he go, you know, like, and they don't even say it. She picks up the flip phone. She puts it to her ear. You hear him say, you know, hey, it's Dixon. She goes, what do you want? You don't hear anything. She starts to cry and smile and the movie ends. That's how I would have ended the film. Huh. I, at the same time, I kind of like the Bonnie and Clyde, let's go kill it kill an asshole well same here and it fits it's just if you're gonna end it at a different spot than what it did that's where i would have ended it and how but when it comes to the overall like whole bonnie and clyde and then she looks over she goes are you sure you really want to do this and it's like no i'm not sure i want to do this and then he asks her that she goes well we can think about it on the way up there (laughs) because i'm I'm, I'm telling you right now a drive from missouri to idaho is not an easy drive. Is it, how long is that? Oh my god, you're talking uh, hours. So you've got so Idaho is the state just west of Washington State and Oregon. Okay, mm-hmm. Missouri is just on the other side of the Mississippi River from Illinois. So you've got to drive mm-hmm. through the entire Northwest. Or not the Northwest, That's... just the uh, 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 the Northwest in general. It's a longer drive from Missouri to Idaho than it is yeah, from yeah. where we are right now, Alan and I, to get in a car and drive huh. to where this town is in Missouri. And that's driving wow. through Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, and then into Missouri. And if you're driving from Missouri to Idaho, you're driving through Missouri, Nebraska, Wyoming, um, and then to Idaho, but it all depends on like where you go. You, 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 you could go through Missouri, Kansas, Colorado, Wyoming to Idaho. And these are all states that are just as wide as Pennsylvania. Yeah. Do you think maybe the director meant to say Iowa and said Idaho instead? Because he's <laughs> from Europe. I mean, maybe. Wouldn't be I just uh, I just Google Maps it, by the way. It's a 24-hour drive or a 502-minute walk. Five hundred and two. In case you guys wanted to know. Yeah. All right, so I know it doesn't matter for the movie, but I think this kind of shit's fun anyway. Uh, right, the next ten minutes of the movie, do they kill the guy or not? Do they what? Oh, do they kill the? Do guy? Do they kill the guy when they get there? I know I'm it's not important. No. I know it doesn't I, matter. I, I'm waiting, but I love doing the shit. I'll wait for the sequel for billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. <laughs> 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 Good answer. <laughs> um, I'm going to say they don't, and they drive back, and Dixon and Mildred become friends. That's how I see this happening. I see okay. them beating him to, to within an inch of his life and maybe okay. cutting off his dick. And throwing it <laughs> off in a field. She plants it in I... one of the plants outside of the uh, billboards. Mm-hmm. I think they definitely don't kill him. I think I'm with, I don't, I think I'm with, I don't know. They don't kill him. Neither of us wanted to kill him. But now I like, now that I'm thinking about it, I didn't know that violence was an option. I thought it was either kill him or not kill him. I think they do a little bit of violence. I don't think beating him within an inch of his life, but maybe we'll firebomb his house or something and Peter Dinklage will save us again. <laughs> okay. So prior, okay. So I feel like we're at the end and there's one thing that oh, I'm yeah. kind of depressed that you've never, that Devin, out of all of your notes, you didn't bring this up. The music. Yeah. Oh I my watched God. this with 
I watch this movie with closed captioning on just because that's how I watch all my movies now because I'm in my early 30s and I'm losing my hearing. Um, (laughs) um, But the songs and the lyrics fit perfectly when they're playing. Like there's uh, like the songs are talking about a change of faith, a change of face, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, learning to love again, learning to hate again. The music mm-hmm. is purpose picked and it's amazing. Yeah. That's the one thing about this movie that I absolutely loved was the soundtrack and where yeah. they put it because it built up. I mean, it just the, the style of the music fit. It's the Midwest. A lot of these songs mm-hmm. are kind of alternative, but it's like country alternative. So it's kind of yeah. like a mixture of like mainstream country with like a little bit of bluegrass in it. And then you have the yeah. lyrics and the lyrics take center point of the songs, not the actual instruments, mm-hmm. which was great. Yeah. I wanted to make notes and watch the movie again this morning, but I didn't because I wanted to like get the lyrics down for like the scenes, but I didn't have time, but it just, it's yeah. the, the, the music aspect. I just, I loved entirely. And I know you have the same song that opens the film and ends it. Yeah. Um, yes. The one about if three and four make seven, what does that mean for one and two? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that lyric <laughs> coming through. Okay. And then right. one more thing. Okay. Mm. Dixon's mom. Oh, <gasps> One of my, I couldn't, I could not smile. I could not help but smile. I could not help but laugh every time she was on the screen because of Napoleon Dynamite. She is Napoleon's grandmother in Napoleon oh, yeah. Dynamite. She's the one that tells him like you have to feed Tina. <laughs> and she's the one that like, you know, it's a she goes, you know, like four-wheeling on the sand dunes with her yep. friends. Like whenever she was on the screen, I couldn't help but laugh because that's where I know her from. So then seeing her play this character in this movie, I was like, "Huh, huh." You you're not racist. You have llamas. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she's also Charlie Day's mom, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Okay. And she she's is basically the same character. Yeah, and it's wonderful. I see in her scenes. I was more off put by the turtle that was there for no reason. <laughs> I love the turtle. It reminded me of the last movie we did, Pop Star. I love that. His his, yep. his pet turtle. I loved it. Oh, I forgot that we did Coco, don't didn't you? What? We did Coco. The turtle, the Coco? Uh, no. We did Coco, the Pixar movie. I said we did Pix uh, I know. I know. Pop, yeah. pop Star that recently. That, yeah. We did yeah, we yeah. Pop Star recently. <laughs> yeah, that one's not out yet. So Still. stay tuned. Stay uh, tuned. Um, Nobody knows. Holding that, holding <laughs> they do now. After, uh, I lost it. I lost the episode actually. What? Oh I no, lost, really? I lost the exported version of it. And it oh. premiered and save it. I still have the recording, so I can go back and redo oh, it. Oh, cool. Okay. Not a oh, big good. deal. It's okay because okay, I didn't actually edit it yet. I just <laughs> dropped it in. It's like, I think I can do this. I don't think I said anything stupid in that one. I think, and then this I was is... like, oh shit, I think I did say some stupid shit. <laughs> this is the Coco one you lost? No, uh, Pop, Pop Star. Star. Oh, Pop Star. Yeah, no, oh, right. I, I think we did. I think you do want to go through that one. Yeah, I'm going to. Yeah, I think you do um, want to go yeah. through Pop Star. Um, okay, so are we done on three billboards? Anything I else? think we're done. Okay. The grandmother of the music is all I wanted to make sure okay. got got covered. That no, and I'm, they're I'm awesome. good. Yeah. And it must be a cold day in hell that Ryan brought up music in a film and I didn't. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> okay. So here for behind the scenes recordings, Alan loves to do scores like I, 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 orchestra I, I, type scores. I like 
music, like mainstream, like band type music. And we've done this a couple times where Alan will bring up like the score and talk about mm. who, you know, you know, who did it, what other movies they're connected to. We had the conversation about why, you know, like you and I connect Harry Potter to like Christmas. And that's because the right. guy did the music for um, Home Alone, if if I'm right on that. Um John Williams? Or something like that, yeah. <laughs> Again, <laughs> I'm not enough. into scores as much as Alan is. That that's why he like he kind of looked at me like, what are you a moron when he said that? How? But anyway. No, okay, keep going. I'll so, yell at you in a minute. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> I I like songs. I like music you'd hear on the radio. So whenever the lyrics match what's going on in the film, I find that amazing especially when the song and the style fits the 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 tone of the the movie now on to what alan is probably going to scold me for devin and i were talking about the uh we're we're talking about seasonal movies how how like you know it's like harry potter is more like christmas and then i remember you bringing up something about how like the score to home alone or something like that kind of sounds similar to like the harry potter theme yeah did he do both films? Yeah. Okay, well, there we go. Oh, nice. I was right on what I he, remember. He did some other movies, too, that should be your go-tos for John Williams. And I'm pretty sure you should know his name because of these other films. Like Star Wars. See, this is where Alan needs to, like, I don't know, like, take a nap. <laughs> take a nap. All right, moving on. We still, got, we still got plenty of show to do here. Uh, so let's try to wrap this up. Okay, so yeah. looking, <clears throat> looking back at the Oscar nominations that uh, Three Billboard was up against. Mm-hmm. Um, where did it go? So for lead, a- we already said that Frances McDormand won for lead actress in a in a le- actress in a leading role. She won. She was also up against Sally Hawkins in Shape of Water, Margot Robbie in I Tanya, mm-hmm. Sorcerer Rohan. I I don't know how to say her name. Um, it's I- Irish. I don't know how to say it. In Ladybird, Lady in Ladybird, and then Meryl Streep in the Post. Have you guys seen any of those movies? No. Oh, no. I've seen Shape of Water. Okay. Good. Because yeah. have you seen Shape of Water? No. Okay. Good. Guess what we're doing this nice. week? Shape of Water. Shape yep. of Water. Yep. Yeah. Uh, because that also won Best Picture. Um, I feel like Meryl Streep was just nominated for the Post because it's Meryl Streep. Yeah, I mean, Shape maybe. Of water um, I don't want to be weird. Sorry, I don't want to be weird about Meryl Streep. I hated her in uh, <laughs> in Mary Poppins. I oh, thought really? she was the worst part of it. That's weird. I've never heard "worst part" and Mary and uh, Meryl Streep in the same sentence. I know it's a weird, probably controversial opinion, but I hated everything I do with her part. Oh wow! Not, yeah, I'm more sorry. intrigued to see it. So, Shape of Water <laughs> got Best Picture. Yes. Yes. Last year. I think that just shows how good the movie Splash is. You haven't seen it yet. Quit making that joke until you see the the movie. You guys are making I that joke wait. to begin with, but I don't no, care. No, I was not making that joke. That was. I can't wait for Ryan to see this movie okay. for that opinion to be completely Other wrong. people are making okay. that joke, so I'm going to continue with it. Okay, so <laughs> le- actor in a supporting role. Uh, Sam Rockwell won. He was up against Woody Harrelson for Three Billboards, Willem Dafoe for The F- Florida Project, Richard Jenkins in Shape of Water, and Christopher Plummer when they had the CGM into all the money in the world to replace Kevin Spacey. 
So my question for you guys is if you had to give an Oscar out to between Sam Rockwell and Woody Harrelson, did the right person win? William Defoe should have won. Have you seen the Florida Project? It's it's William Defoe. That's ha- all I need to know. Have you seen the Florida Project? Though? No, but it's William. Defoe. <laughs> I've I've seen the Florida Project. He compared to what Sam Rockwell and Woody Harrelson did in this, mm-hmm. he did not deserve to win. Okay, he manages a hotel. That's about. Oh. It. Do you know how hard that is? He's, very, he's in like five minutes of the movie. Okay, it's okay. a good movie. It's weird. It's different. Honestly, but yeah, Sam Rockwell. Out of the two? Yeah. Okay. Just because here, and this might be unfair, I I know, but Sam Rockwell had more time on screen. He had more time on screen to screw up than Woody did. Woody did amazing. Sam Rockwell Mm -hmm. did just as good, but he had more screen time to actually do it, meaning he could have messed up and he could have bombed his part, but he didn't. And also, it was um, probably the harder character to play. I think I'm with Ryan where Sam Rockwell is just too believable of a character in this movie where it almost seems like, and I know Sam Rockwell, the the person isn't like this, but it almost seems like Sam Rockwell isn't acting. It looks like they found a bumbling police asshole and they're like, film, let me film you doing dumb shit for a while. I think his performance was really good. And I think I would have chose him over Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Okay. What do you think, Uh, Alan? uh, I agree. Uh, Definitely. Sam Rockwell over Woody Harrelson for all the reasons you just said. Um, but if I had to pick somebody outside of three billboards, I'd probably go Richard Jenkins in Shape of Water, which for reasons that I'll get into next week. William oh, Defoe. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, William Defoe. But all right. So moving on to the, the nominations <laughs> for this year. Uh huh. Um, so lead actress, we have the lead actress from Roma, who I'm not even going to try to pronounce her name, Glenn Close for The Wife. Olivia Coleman for The Favorite, Lady Gaga for Star is Born, and Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me? Well, you can drop the first two off the list. You don't think Glenn Close is going to win it? I said you can drop the first two off the list. <laughs> yeah, I honestly As... haven't seen any of these, and I don't know. I generally don't like Melissa McCarthy at all, because she, I feel like she plays a very one-note character, but I heard that this movie is super different for her. Yeah, this movie isn't supposed to be a comedy. Like, it's more dramatic, so I'm interested to see yeah. how she does with that. Right. Um, because I haven't been a big fan of her starring vehicles that have been comedies, like, hey, Melissa McCarthy goes back to college, or whatever right. the hell else she's in. Now, um, I have to say, I, I did like the heat. I didn't see heat. I do like the heat. Uh-huh. That's the one movie out of her that I actually like the whole like modern Liz McCarthy comedies. But I think it's because of who she has a uh, like who she's playing with in that yeah. one. So, okay. Did, did you guys see him like Spy at all? Because I heard she was really good in that. No, I've not seen Spy. No, no. I haven't either. I, no, okay. I heard she's good in it. All right. So, and then supporting actor this year. Uh, we have Mar- Mashallah Ali for Green Book, Adam Driver for Black Klansman, Sam Elliott for Star is Born, uh, Richard E. Grant for Can You Ever Forgive Me, and then Sam Rockwell again for Vice. So, oh, man. Sam th- Rockwell. Do you think Sam Rockwell is going to get it two in a row? He should. I want him to get it two is in a row Sam so Rockwell bad. the new Meryl Streep? He just gets nominated every <laughs> year. <laughs> okay, so here's my thing. 
and I'm totally kidding when I say this, but you know how Hollywood is supposed to be like all like left leaning and everything. Mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. that he should win it just as kind of like, you know, you had to play Bush. We're going to make sure you get something out of this. <laughs> Thank you for sacrificing the time you did to play you know, W. Bush. If We're going to make sure you get something. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> if that's the case, then where's Josh Brolin's uh, Oscar from when he played W and W? Wasn't that like a comedy almost? Like, it was wasn't Oliver that like Stone. roasting? It was Oliver Stone. Yeah, it's Oliver Stone. So it's roasting. They, he had fun with that. This director wanted him to play it as like, pointed as he could to how Bush actually like was as a person because the movie is supposed to be how evil Cheney is. That's why Christian Bale said what he did during mm-hmm. what the Oscars? No, it wasn't the Oscars. Golden it Globes. was yeah. During the during the Golden Globes. All he had to do was play W. Bush to who he actually was as a public persona. He didn't have to deep dive into it too much. But he also had to play Bush. And with how Hollywood is, I would not be surprised if they're like, you know, you had to play one of our most hated people. He, you're going to get something out of this. We, we, we promise. <laughs> All right. Like a, like a deal with him. <laughs> um, I like, I like Sam Elliott a lot and I hope he wins. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen a star is born, but I just like that. Uh, I like that actor a lot. I have a feeling we should do a star is born at some point, but do like, we should do, every version of A Star is Born and then c- compare and contrast. <laughs> Wait, are there multiple versions of this movie? Yeah, this is a remake of the Barbra Streisand one from the 70s. Which is a remake. Which is a remake of a Julie Garland movie from the 40s? Which 50s. is a remake of a silent film. <laughs> yeah. That is a remake wow. of a stage play. Those those last no two are me just going yeah. off the rocker. I which is a remake of a Greek Odyssey. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Which is a remake of some civilization that the Greeks. Which is a remake of a cave painting from. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So that's all we've got for three billboards. All right. The mic punched me in the face. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so tune in next week where we talk about last year's best picture winner. Uh, the shape of the water. The shape of water. The shape of water. One of the two. I'm excited. You should be excited. Why? Am I, why is my mic so low? Were I you? I don't know. Was it like that the whole time? I don't think so. I don't think so either. That's recent. I can hear you just fine. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it's in uh, Audacity. Gotcha. Worst case scenario, I go back and redo the ending. All right. <laughs> tune in next week for you have to watch this podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And we'll see you then. Bye. Later. This reporter for one hopes this finally puts an end to the strange saga of the three billboards outside. This doesn't put an end to shit, you fucking retard. This is just a fucking start. Why don't you put that on your good morning Missouri fucking wake up broadcast, bitch? <laughs> <laughs>